A lot's happened since the last time we were here. Mm -hmm. There was a Super Bowl, which you watched because you're a sports guy. <laughs> I did watch it. I did watch it. Yeah, you did. That was a it was an early game. Mm -hmm. I'm serious. I uh, I thought Philadelphia was gonna win, and then they like had a little momentum, and then they lost. They they threw an interception. Then Kansas City scored twice in a row, and then they lost all their momentum, and then they lost the game. Dang. Couldn't believe it. It was really neck and neck, though. Yeah, so much has happened. Yeah. We both saw our Megadon time. Our Megadon time. Our Megadon time. It's me. We had planned. We had we'd always planned to do an episode on Armageddon time because the trailer looked good. Uh, so well, we rented it and watched it, and <laughs> <laughs> you were whelmed, if not underwhelmed. Uh, it was basically Belfast. Yeah. There have been a lot of movies like that where directors have kind of taken, you know, like, I want to tell my childhood story. It was like Belfast <laughs> following a kid who wasn't honest, honestly, was maybe one of the worst cast uh, child actors I've ever seen. He I, wasn't could, that I bad. could not stand him. He was like a young John Heater. It was like watching Napoleon Dynamite. <laughs> In a movie with Anthony Hopkins and all these other really good actors. He's a kid, you know? What are you no, going to do? he's annoying as fuck. Anyway, the, it had this amazing cast. Anthony Hopkins, Anne Hathaway, Jeremy Strong from Succession. Jessica Chastain popped up for like one scene. So weird. Playing the sister of Donald Trump. Did you catch that? No. That was the Trump family. Oh my gosh. At that school. And the, the dude that the kid runs into right before that scene is, uh, is Fred Trump, Donald's dad. Oh How God. crazy is that? And apparently it's all, I mean, more or less what happened to yeah. James Gray as a kid. That's not, I like, it blew my mind. Yeah. Because Donald at that time would have been like in his 20s or something, I guess. Crazy. Because this was set in the s 80s. 80s. Yeah. It dealt with racism. Racism. It wasn't just racism, though. You might think that from the trailer... The thing it was actually about was, and it didn't really come through and punch you until the end of the film, that it was about uh, kind of growing up and, and having to make adult decisions uh, even when you're young and, and uh, honestly not grasping those adult decisions when you're a younger age and then sort of reflecting on them as you get older, which is actually a really good segue into what we're talking about today. But yeah, Armageddon time, not, it was, it was totally fine. Yeah. It was like the most fine thing you've seen. In it, some time. It was just as fine as something, uh, probably how you felt about Empire of Light, to be honest. You know, that's fair. It was like Actually, yeah. a movie. Well, happened. and just like Empire, I thought it was really well made. Yeah. You know, everything was, was perfectly good. But I felt similarly, it didn't really knock me out of my seat. And I haven't seen a lot of James Gray's movies. They're all pretty highly... Mm -hmm. regarded mm -hmm. um, oh he's not a bad filmmaker i the one i have seen was ad astra from a few years ago mm. and i despite its creative decisions i adore that film <laughs> and james gray has a lot to say yes. when it comes to particularly the relationship between his son and his father yeah he explored that you know through his own life story in this in this movie yeah but yeah i really like him as a filmmaker but the, this film didn't grab me in a way that donald trump would have <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> no, I get it. But this film didn't... But, um, <laughs> I had that to. In? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was, it was good. But it honestly, it's probably not one that I'll... You know, even Think in James it. Gray's own catalog, it's not going to be one that, you know, yeah. is floating towards the top. So, yeah. despite Anthony Hopkins, who's a legend. 
Mm-hmm. Which brings us to what we're actually talking about today is a movie called After Sun. It's an A24 picture distributed. I don't know if it, they actually made it, but anyway, probably picked it up and then decided to distribute it. A24 After Sun. It's super, super great. Do you know who the director was? I do. Who was it? Charlotte Wells. Yes. Who I had not. Most of these little A24 darling films are kind of. She directed this very Wells. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, she's she's done some work before. <laughs> I'm trying to figure out if this was her first feature because um, she's done some shorts. She's done several shorts. How short? Like uh, between six and fifteen minutes. Between pants. And shorts. Well, regardless, you know what? <laughs> I'm sorry. No, it's fine. I'm dead. But yeah, re- regardless of whether or not this was her first feature, this film kind of exploded onto the scene. Honestly, a lot of people, a lot of self-proclaimed cinephiles, what are you laughing at? You were talking while rubbing your uh, your head, and like you, <laughs> it just kept going. <laughs> but like that sounds picking up on the mic. The sound of my eyes being rubbed? Yeah. All right. I'm sorry. Let me rephrase. (laughs) This movie, After Sun, kind of exploded onto the scene, as many A24 films do. And it caught our attention, not only because it looked great, but because so many people were rating it so highly, people Mm -hmm. whose opinions we regard highly. So Mm -hmm. it was an interesting thing. We we definitely had to check out for ourselves. And I think uh, we both really, really enjoyed it. I did. I don't think it would be on my top 10. It would be, it would be like a very close 11 for me right now. Mm-hmm. But there's a couple things about this movie I really, really thought were interesting. I can't wait to talk about it. I think Paul Mescal is nominated for Best Actor. Is he? Yeah, he's uh, nominated for Best Actor for this movie. And it's kind of crazy because he came on the scene with the show you refused to watch. I watched some of it. Called and- Normal People, way and- back in the day. <laughs> It's a great show. Not for me. You didn't watch it. <laughs> I did. You made me. You watched like an episode. And I watched. Like, this is so cringe. This is <laughs> I, it's, I watched a couple yeah. episodes. Okay. But I. Uh, anyway, he's really, really good. And he was good in this. Yeah. The girl who plays. This is another film apparently that is based on uh, the director's youth. Mm-hmm. So playing the younger version of her. The girl's name is Frankie Corio. Her name in the film is Sophie. Yeah. And she was incredible. She has no other credits except for one thing that might be a future production. So she's out of nowhere. I think she did a really great job. Yeah. And now here we are doing that new thing where we recommend a song. Yeah. And the song today. Song of the day. Is coming from Steven. What you got, Steve? It's going to be, I like this song a lot. It's really weird. It's called My Kink is Karma. And it's by Chappelle Rowan. It's a good track. It's been stuck in my head a lot lately. And it's got a nice kind of quiet voice, uh, but really beautiful. And I think it matches the tone of what we're talking about today. So here it is. Nice.
say I'm jealous, but my king is watching you. And we're back. We're back. Gabe. What's up? (laughs) Back into the heavy content. The heaviest. All those coats, so heavy. (laughs) Yeah, so let's talk about the story. It takes place with a young father, probably about 30, 31, 32. I think they said it was his 30-something birthday, 31st, 32nd. 31st. Yeah, 31st birthday. Yeah. And he's a young father, and it seems like he got... Um, someone pregnant maybe, uh, in his, when, around the age of 20, cause this young girl that he's with is his daughter. She's about 11. Mm-hmm. It's her 11th birthday, I think. Yeah. And they're traveling somewhere on a trip, like in Greece, I think, or Rome, something like that. Turkey? Turkey. Turkey. Yes. Where Cle- Cleopatra was? Constantinople? They, they mentioned was. there was the mud bath. They mentioned Cleopatra, but I couldn't say if that was. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, they're there for like a, a, a summer retreat kind of vacation thing. It's a holiday. It's just him and her, and she's this young eleven-year-old girl is is experiencing her father, who's a young man. He's younger than I am right now. As he's trying to be a good dad, but I think it becomes very apparent to you as the audience, but not so much to the young girl who is 11, that he is dealing with some severe depression and just trying to really really come to terms with how to be a father at such a young age, how to interact with her, how to, how to set an example, how not to set an example for her, the types of things to teach her, the types of things to talk to her about, the full gamut of what it means to be a father and have a child look up to you and that kind of relationship, a parent-child relationship, is explored in this film. And yeah, it it basically, I thought it was going to be kind of like a, a cute movie. I guess I should have not, I should have thought twice. Never presume. Yeah, going into an A24 <laughs> film. But I, I was like, oh, it's going to be like a father-daughter kind of thing. I didn't really know what it was going to be about. And it, it like I said, it... Eventually comes out that he is essentially really depressed and um, it's never directly. He doesn't know how to. Yeah, it, it never directly stated. That's that's one of the the things that is done well in films like this, like in in good movies. You, they're never explicitly stated, but it is just very apparent that this parent does not know how to be a parent and cope with, I guess, the pressures that come with trying to support a child. Uh, it's for, prob- like financial, yeah, and um, it's probably more than that emotional, too, right? I feel like the, yeah, that was just like the greatest compounding factor was yes. his yeah. fatherhood, yeah. But so, but the ways that you see it are he goes off a lot on his own, leaves her behind. Oftentimes, he goes out to drink. Um, there's a couple scenes that he goes out for a smoke on the balcony while she goes to sleep. Uh, it seems like he's constantly in his head and dealing with something. Uh, one night he, he goes and gets drunk and falls asleep and accidentally locks her out of the hotel room. And she gets let back in by the the hotel worker. And he's just, you know, drunk asleep on the bed and <laughs> naked. Mm-hmm. 
and and as a child, you know, you see her, you see the eleven year old girl just go, "Oh, that's my dad." Ah, like you know, he's just dealing. He's just you know, that's him. And you, it's it really makes you think about like the types of things that we might have encountered with our parents growing up that we may have just justified to ourselves because when you're young, you don't really know any better. You don't have any other examples of what it means to be a functioning adult outside of the example that is constantly in front of you, who is your parents. So those certain context clues fly over your head. Yes. Yeah. Cause there were many yeah. in this film that, it, that would lead you to the assumption that, um, what's his character's name? Paul Mescal. Mm-hmm. Well, I don't know. <laughs> that, that he was <laughs> suffering yeah. um, and that he was in some darkness. Mm-hmm. One of those things, for instance, is that there's constantly this uh, personal um, carelessness physically throughout the film, whether it's the first shot or it was a later shot where he's like standing on his balcony on the rail mm-hmm. or he's like constantly moving through the city, like barely dodging cars um, or walking into the ocean. Yeah, just a personal lack of... of a lack of regard for his own safety mm-hmm. while simultaneously having this incredible love for his daughter. Mm-hmm. So a really interesting contrast. And that's what I was going to say is that there, this was a pretty masterful display, uh, like a character study on depression amongst all the other amazing things this movie was doing that I think a lot of people who are suffering in, in whatever capacity from depression will be able to identify with. And I think that's why a lot of people rated this film so highly. It never really felt self-indulgent or like pretentious, like as an art film can typically drift into that. But it, it always felt like it was very calculated with everything it was trying to do, even in the slow moments, because a lot of this film is kind of this meandering, lazy, not lazy in a negative way, but like tonally, everything was very kind of slow paced, somnambulant or something like that. Yeah. Dreamy. Yeah. Uh, in, a, in a good way. Yeah. Yeah. And th- it like this whole movie was just kind of a, I don't want to say masterclass, but it was a, a really interesting depiction through tone, like uh-huh. tone, I think something we talk about at length uh-huh. uh, often on this podcast. But this is a great film you can look to for trying to accomplish mm-hmm. an idea. Yeah, like one of the more interesting parts is you don't learn. They have like a handheld camera that they're filming a lot of their interactions with, like a like a video camera. I used to have one. I used to film that same way, which is kind of fun to watch. But uh, you just see her pick up the camera, film her dad on this vacation, set it down. I don't, you don't really think about it, but toward the very end of the film, you see like one or two shots of an older woman watching this footage and you put it together that what you have been seeing is essentially uh, a woman that is now her dad's age, the, the age that her dad was in this video, like in her maybe mid thirties, is watching this old footage of her and her dad on vacation. And you just you just instantly know that she's reflecting on those dynamics and you know potentially even what her dad may have been going through at that time and you you just kind of get it and it wasn't it wasn't stuffed in your face it wasn't like constantly cutting back to this woman in her 30s you literally see her maybe twice toward the end of the film and it's just there for like texture you don't you don't really even it's not explicitly stated you just uh, instantly understand because as the viewer, you go, oh, this is what's happening. This is this girl grown up. You put two and two together and you move on. Yeah, there was also, though, like one or two extra times where they show her in the club 
uh, setting where there's strobing lights. Sure. And that's another I forgot about that. really cool thing they do throughout the film. Yeah, there's like a tiny surrealist element. Yeah, a little Lynchian kind of, uh, what's the word? Abstract? Yeah. I'm looking for a kind of noun, though. Like there's of, like a, there's like a place outside of, yeah, of space and time where Charlotte, or in this case, uh, Sophie is the character's name, is remembering her father. And she's remembering him. Uh, as he was when when he well full spoilers I guess at this point it's implied that he kills himself shortly after the events of the film. What? Yeah, you didn't pick that up. No. Yeah, he's super. Yeah. Well, I, I I had thought that. Yeah. But like I I kind of I don't. The, the well, movie, that's the beauty of the ambiguity. Yeah. But it's heavily everybody's the on mo- the same page. The movie makes you really want to feel that that's not true. Yeah. <laughs> you don't want it to be true, you right. know, because. But it is what it is. And so the point is of the, that club scene is that she's remembering him as she last saw him and in the way she last saw him, which is this kind of manic uh, state where he spends that time dancing. And then it culminates in the final scene where she it sits on that scene a little bit longer and she she comes up to him in the middle of this club area. And she's like trying to get a hold of him, but I, I don't think you can hear what they're saying because the the club is loud and the lights are strobing, it's bumping. Yeah, and she's like she's trying to get a hold of him, and he's he's like just flailing about and dancing wildly, and uh, eventually I think ends up on the ground or something. But gnarly, it was a pretty remarkable. And this is right after I think he walks um, off frame. Uh, mm. in one of the last shots is through the hallway. Yeah, Paul Mescal. His character is sending Sophie back. I don't know if they're in an airport or something. They might be. Uh, but he's sending her back to to mm-hmm. be with her mom. And mm-hmm. he walks away mm-hmm. um, out of the tunnel opposite the camera. And he's just walking away and into what is the club. You know, I, it's difficult to describe because this, this is like the surrealist element of it. Mm-hmm. But he's in the airport and he's walking away from the camera. And he exits these double swinging doors into that club space, mm-hmm. which I'll just call the club space from now on, uh, like the afterlife. And that's the space where we then realize throughout the film, uh, Sophie's been remembering her father um, because that was the last time, you know, implied that she would have seen him. And uh, she's, like you said, she's trying to reach out and revisit those memories and also in that way reconnect with her father because she's come into this own understanding of yeah. who he is and of those events in that fateful week of their of the last time they were together their relationship um so it's it's a pretty intense gut punch of an ending because mm-hmm. yeah. that was it that was the end for paul yeah uh it was a really heavy movie like i mean yeah. I, I i wasn't expecting it but you leave watching this film and you really have a lot to think about i i personally you know i'm about to have three daughters I was just thinking the whole time about legacy and, 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 uh, a lot of the stuff I was talking about, honestly, on the, on the Jason David Frank episode where I was just talking about suicide and, um, legacy and, and, and the things we leave behind for our kids and, and, uh, monuments and, and icons. Yeah. And, um, it's, it's really intense, man. <laughs> and, and thinking about, thinking about how to be an example of, uh, or just how to be a present parent in your child's life and what that means and what that looks like. And the kinds, even the kinds of things that the the thing I think about often when it comes to kids is like, 
how the unspoken things are often the the most past things you pass those on to your kids. Yeah. Like I hate it that it's true. I don't like cliches, especially cliche sayings like this, but the saying that things are caught, not taught is so true when it comes to kids. And, uh, my kids pick up on things and they start mimicking my personality, your behavior, my behavior, things that I don't even know about myself. And, I'll, I'll look at them and where'd you go? Oh, that's probably something that I do. <laughs> and it's, yeah. it's, it's such a, it's such a gut punching feeling that I can imagine by their age of 11, as, as they get older, those things compound and you start to see yourself reflected in your kids and your mistakes and some beauty too. But it, if you solely focus on the worst parts of yourself, and you start to exhibit the worser parts of yourself, then your kids will also reflect that. And I think it can become a route, a road you don't really want to go down. But I can see how people would become consumed by that idea of like, of like, oh man, I'm failing. I'm constantly failing my kid. I'm failing my kid. And, and that feeling of, uh, it becomes very weighty. Yeah. Anyway, I, I think about that a lot. <laughs> I'm not depressed. I just want to make that known. But I, I could relate with this movie really well. Seeing the in-between moments of Paul and the massive weight you could kind of see on him of of uh, carrying like that idea of like I'm I'm a father. Like I'm I'm the thing that I hated about my father or didn't like about my father. I am I am that. I am that now and. I am an example. Like I am, I am trying to do something good in this world to pass on to my kids or something. I, it's intense, man. It, yeah, it's a lot. Yeah, it's the greatest journey. And I all it all I want to do is like be a different person sometimes because I, I just want to be better for my kids. You know. Yeah, it's a full time gig being mindful of every moment, especially in front of your kids. You know, or at least in front of your kids. Yeah. I do not envy you. <laughs> Did you catch that uh, Sophie had the rug that he had purchased in the film under her bed? So that every time she wakes up in the morning, her feet hit the rug. It's the first thing she thinks is of her father. It's pretty interesting. Mm. <laughs> yeah, remarkable film. I don't, I don't know if I'd... I mean, I feel like I want to put it in my top 10 just because of how... Thoughtful it was. Yeah, thoughtful, but also just... There's, there's, some, there's a kind of... Um, Maybe maybe timelessness is the is the word I'm looking for to a movie like this, not just because it was anachronistic in the way it was made intentionally, but it's like it feels like this is something that uh, you could revisit a mm-hmm. long time from now mm-hmm. and pull all the same things from. Yeah, um, and it was quiet. It was beautiful. It was it was uh, you know meditative. Those are always things I enjoy in my film: the slowness and the deliberate slowness of it. You know, Charlotte Wells. Thank you mm-hmm. for sharing this. Mm-hmm. Yep. It made me think about my own life and my own journey with my daughters. So uh, with that being said, is there a song we could end on here? You know, I can't really recall if there was a, there were some interesting picks from the soundtrack, but was there a score? <laughs> I'm trying to remember now. I think there was original music by Oliver Coates. Oh, he was. Oliver Coates. He has some interesting <laughs> You know what? That's a lot. That's a lot of coats. 
He was part of the music department on on some interesting films like Under the Skin and uh, Phantom Thread. Cool. All right. Well, here's a piece of music. <laughs> 